We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. What would a real mother do? And what would a real father do if someone was holding a sword to your child's chest and threatening to cut them in half? I know what you would do. In fact, the Bible tells us you would rise up and say, no, take your sword away. That's my son. This story and more on today's Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. So last week for several shows, I covered the Tuesday election. I talked about reasons that I believe Yunkin won and McAuliffe lost. I also talked about other elections, but I focused primarily on Virginia. And I talked about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how there's a silver lining to that story because Abraham essentially negotiates with God and asks God to withhold his hand, to withhold his sword of judgment, if you will, if Abraham can just find 50 good men left in the city of Sodom. Abraham, realizing that eh, I might not be able to find 50, then starts negotiating downward. God agrees to the 50, but Abraham says, well, what about 40? What about 35? What about 30? What about 20? 25? And gets all the way down to 10. And at every point, God says, sure, if you can find just 10 righteous men left in this city, I'll withhold my hand. I suggested that that's a silver lining to this very sobering story of God's judgment. A, a, a real story. When I say story, I don't mean fabrication. I don't mean a fairy tale. I mean the telling of a story. And God does say that he'll withhold his hand if you can find just a minority, just a remnant that is fighting the good fight, is holding to the faith, is doing the right thing, and hasn't started worshiping itself rather than worshiping God. That is the moral of that story, in addition to the warning of judgment. Well, today I want to tell another Old Testament story. It's the story that you know quite well. I think almost all of you should remember this story. It's the story of the two women who were disputing over one baby boy, both claiming that it was theirs. And it finally reached the highest court of the land, the court of Solomon himself. That's the story and that's the message of today's rebellion. Now remember, if you would like to subscribe to the rebellion, you can do so by going to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. That's patreon.com backslash D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R. I'm very grateful for those of you that are subscribing. It helps pay for the effort that we put into this, keep the light bill on, so to speak, and I'm grateful to all of you for doing so. For other listeners, please consider that. Go to patreon.com backslash Dr. Everett Piper. And all of you listening, whether you're subscribing or not, 
Thank you for doing so. And please think about maybe posting one or two of these podcasts out there in your world, in your social media network. Facebook, uh, Parler, MeWe, Gitter, Gab, whatever social media you use, Twitter, etc. All of the above. If you post these versions of The Rebellion, the podcast version, and I remind you, you can listen to this live every weekday morning at 7.30 a.m. That's every weekday morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Time, Oklahoma Time, out of KOKL Radio in Okmulgee. It's carried as a radio show, and then I upload it as a podcast. So you can listen to it both ways or either way, but please consider pushing it out there for others to know that it's there too. We topped 50,000 listens last month, and we need to continue to build the momentum. Let's take a break, thank the sponsors, and then when I get back, I want to talk to you about the story of the two ladies, the two reputed mothers, One of them was real, and the other one was a liar. And Solomon's judgment of saying that he was going to cut the baby in half. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I I will be right back in a couple minutes. So welcome back to The Rebellion. Again, I'm very grateful for all of you that are pushing The Rebellion out there. It's exciting to see it top 50,000 listens in a given month. Uh, Very grateful. Um, Keep pushing it. I'd like to double that, and when we double that, we'll start seeing exponential gain. I also need to find a couple sponsors that'll take the podcast side of the show, so I'm working on that right now. If you have a company out there and you'd like 50,000 listens per month to uh, hear of your product, uh, contact me. Contact me about the potential of sponsoring the podcast side of The Rebellion. Very grateful for the sponsors on the radio side, and that is... uh, uh, Patriot Auto Group, uh, Tat Manning and his crew there, Tulsa Apologetics Group, and Mark Tetford and Tetford Insurance. Very grateful for them. Um, all right, so let's go back to this story that I think if any of you have attended Sunday school, um, if you have any uh, church education at all, Christian education at all, you should know this story. It's the Piper paraphrase version is basically this, you know, as this, as, and, and when I say story or when I say tale, I'm not saying that it's fake. This is a real story in real history, but it is a tale. It is a story that I'm going to retell right now. You know that one day King Solomon was keeping court. Um, he was hearing the cases of the land. And one particular case was brought before him. And the, there was a lot of finger pointing, and there were a lot of a- accusations going back and forth. And this probably wasn't unusual for the king to hear such disputes, but this one was quite unusual. In the midst of all the anger and confusion, tears were flowing and emotions were high, because it involved two women that were presenting their case to King Solomon. And if you remember, King Solomon was touted as the wisest judge in all the land, in all the earth, the wisest man ever. So what was the dispute over? Well, you know the story. The dispute was over a child, a young baby boy, an infant. And both women claimed to be the mother. Both claimed that the child belonged to them. Both claimed that the other was lying. And both of these women demanded that they alone were the one telling the truth. So how was Solomon going to resolve this? How do you know 
which woman is telling the truth and which one is lying. Well, he decided that in the midst of what seemed kind of crazy, 50-50 odds, he turned to his bodyguard and said, I want you to take out your sword and cut the baby in two and give one half to each woman. And as Paul Harvey would have said, you know the rest of the story. When these women heard the king's judgment, what happened? The real mother, the real mother, cried out, stop, don't kill my son. And when she did that, by doing that, she proved what most of us would consider the obvious moral to this particular story, this tale, this historical recollection and recording of what Solomon did. What's that moral? No real mother would ever let her son be cut in two. For if that happened, what's gonna, what are you going to have? All you're going to have left is a dead baby. So I'm going to repeat the moral to the story here. No real parent, no real mother, no real father would ever let his or her son be cut in two. All you're going to have left is a dead baby. So what's my point? Why am I bringing this up with regard to last week's elections? Well, I'm going to argue this. On November 2nd, 2021, just last week, Tuesday last week, we saw hundreds of thousands of real moms. I want you to hear what I'm saying there. Real moms. We saw hundreds of thousands of them go to the polls in the state of Virginia. And the reason Glenn Youngkin is now the governor of Old Dominion, and Terry McAuliffe is not, is that this army of parents... Real parents, real moms and dads rose up and they shouted at the polling booths, stop, stop it, withhold your hand, don't kill our sons, don't kill our daughters, we're not going to allow you to continue to cut our babies in half. That's what they said. They just said no. We will not let you teach our sons that they are girls. We're finished. We are finished sitting idly. Sitting idly by while you tell them a female isn't a fact. Biology biology is not make-believe. Men and women are real. They're not pretend. This is what the parents were saying at the voting booth. We're not going to let you teach our sons that they're girls. A female is a fact. Biology is not make-believe. Men and women are real. We're not pretend. Human beings are not leprechauns and unicorns. We actually exist in a real world with real definitions and real science. We've known this forever. From time immemorial, we've known this. What have we known? That there are two sexes, not 50. And any of your stupid claims to the contrary are utter lunacy. That's what these real parents said in the voting booth. You hear me? They they basically were screaming, no, we will not let you continue to 
indoctrinate our daughters to believe that they're the ones who are in the wrong for wanting boys out of their bathrooms and out of their locker rooms and out of their showers and out of their sports. You had parents rising up by the hundreds of thousands saying, we are done with you making a joke of Title IX and letting males steal female sports, scholarships, facilities, and opportunities. Our daughters deserve respect, and they have dignity. We've had it with your misogyny and your arrogance and your predatory sexuality. That's what you heard last Tuesday. Hundreds of thousands of people rose up and said that. Oh, they may not have said it that clearly, but that's what their vote did. That's what their vote did. They were saying, we've got some common sense. We still have some sense that's common. We understand that our girls have rights and that no girl's going to have a right if everybody can claim that they're a girl. And not just the sexuality stuff. People rose up and said, no, we will not remain silent while you peddle your rancid racism, your CRT crap. You will not teach our children to judge people by the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. We will not let you destroy, destroy the decades, decades of progress that our nation has made toward becoming a color-blind society. Now I'm going to be criticized for saying colorblind is good. That's how bad the education has become. That's how terrible this indoctrination is right now in our culture. It's a transparent agenda to malign Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream. They've made it a nightmare. They've made it a nightmare. Thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people rose up and said, no, we're not going to let you destroy the nuclear family. Our sons need their moms, and our daughters want their dads. Both kids need both parents, and the ignorance of these progressive elites to that evidence, the mountain of evidence, proving the social and economic benefits of having a mom and a dad, a mother and a father in the same home, raising their children, committed to one another, and committed to their kids. The mountain of evidence showing the economic and social and emotional and moral benefits of that nuclear family is overwhelming. And their ignorance to the contrary just proves that they have no business in leadership. And you had a army of people come out and say, say that. It's child abuse to deny it. In my opinion, it's nothing short of criminal. You had tons and tons of people last Tuesday, thank the Lord, who rose up and said, no, you will not cut our children in half. We're not going to continue to let you cut the souls out of our sons and the hearts out of our daughters. You will take your sword away. We are the real parents here. You are not. They belong to us, not to you. 
and you will withhold your hand. You will let our children live. That's what last week's vote said. You know, you've heard me talk before about another author. The, the, the lesson of Solomon is pretty simple. You can't cut a living thing in half and expect it to survive. But there's another author out there that essentially covers the same su- subject in a different way. And it's C.S. Lewis, as you know, one of my favorites. And he taught essentially the same thing when he said, this is his quote, It's a couple sentences long, so listen to it. We have made such a tragic comedy of the situation. We continue to clamor for those very qualities that we are rendering impossible. In a sort of ghastly simplicity, we have removed the organ while we continue to demand the function. We make men without chests and expect of them virtue. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful, close quote. That's one of my favorite quotes of C.S. Lewis. Because he nails it. He nails it and helps us understand how foolish it is to cut the souls out of our sons and the hearts out of our daughter. Daughters. I mean, the, the, the story of Solomon and his judgment to expose who the real parent is is stunning, and it's brilliant. But C.S. Lewis takes it in a different angle, different way, and helps us understand what really happens when that sword is not withheld. It's it's as if we're removing the organ while we continue to demand the function. We make men without chests, you know, a soul, and we expect of them virtue. We laugh at honor, and then we're shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the gelding be fruitful. We remove the organ and demand the function. Men without chests, men without hearts, men without souls. Daughters without virtue, daughters without character, daughters without a conscience. You know, we, we laugh at all those Victorian ideas, morality, conscience, chivalry, goodness, virtue. And then we're shocked to find evil in our midst. We've castrated the gelding, and then we think he'll be fruitful. It's not going to happen, people. So what I'm saying is the message you heard last Tuesday... It was, it, was a, it was a message that reflects back to the story of Sodom because I think our nation is getting pretty darn close to being as bad as Sodom. We're celebrating the exact same things. But maybe there's a difference. I'd like to think there is, and I pray there is. Maybe there are at least 50 righteous men left. Maybe 40, maybe 35, maybe it's only 20, maybe it's only 10. But the story, the story of Sodom in Abraham's negotiation with God to spare the city, tells you that if you can hold on and just find a handful of righteous folks that are willing to fight for goodness and beauty and truth, then in God's grace, he might, he just might withhold his hand. The story of Solomon is 
if you rise up like the real mom, the real parent, and say, stop it, don't do that, you can't cut my baby in half, he'll die, that Solomon, in his wisdom, will withhold his hand. God, in his wisdom, will hear your plea. And he won't. He won't yield the sword on your son or your daughter. The story of C.S. Lewis is pretty clear likewise. You can't continue to cut the organs, the minds, the hearts, the souls out of our children in our public schools and expect them to be virtuous people. It's not going to happen. We're removing the organ on a daily basis when we send our kids off to school. And then we expect them to be fruitful. It's not going to happen. So last Tuesday, here's my argument. Hundreds of thousands of voters rose up and told Terry McAuliffe and his party. Terry McAuliffe and his party. No. No. We've had enough of you. You will not eviscerate our children. You will not cut them in half with your ugly sword of social engineering. We're not going to continue to allow you to emasculate our sons, and we're not going to sit back and be quiet while you neuter our daughters. We will not let you remove their character. You will not kill their souls. Thank the Lord. Thank God. There is still a remnant of real parents left. Is the number 50? I don't know. Is the number 40, 35, 20, 10? I don't know. But as long as there's a handful left, I will pray and I encourage you to pray for God to withhold the sword, to withhold his judgment, and to honor the real parents that are fighting for real children, real sons and real daughters, not leprechauns and unicorns, not make-believe, not fantasies and fabrications and social constructs. No. When your baby was born, the doctor came in and said, congratulations, you have a daughter. Or congratulations, it's a boy. And the reason that scientist said that is because that's reality. And then at that moment, you were charged. You were charged to be a real father and a real mother to that real son and that real daughter. Reality. Reality sunk in. Those of you who are parents listening to me right now, understand what I'm saying because your life changed on that day. You started becoming less selfish. You started focusing on someone else rather than yourself. You started giving and giving and giving for the sake of that child, for the sake of that son, for the sake of that daughter. It was your responsibility because that's your kid. Never did it cross your mind that this is the state's child and they will take care of my child. If it ever did cross your mind, Lord help you. And I would argue that almost everyone, if not every single person listening to me on this show right now, understands what I'm saying. 
This is my son. You will withhold your hand. I will not stand idly by while you use him as a guinea pig in your experiments, your social engineering, your political correct nonsense. I will not let you indoctrinate him and corrupt his mind with your woke ideology. No. If you continue to eviscerate his soul and compromise his mind, he will not be able to think clearly and he will have no character and no morality. It's my responsibility as his father to protect him. And I do not apologize for that. You know, I was accused over and over again while we send our, sent our two sons off to private school rather than the local public school here in Bartlesville. I was accused of being overprotective. And you know what my response was? Absolutely. It's my job to be overprotective. I don't apologize for that. For a second, my primary responsibility is to protect my son and to protect my daughter from anybody that would do them harm. And unfortunately today, right up at the top of the list of those who would do them harm are some of our administrators. Not all of them. We've got a handful of good ones left and some of our teachers. Not all of them. We've got a smattering of good conscientious, determined teachers left. But when I talk about our schools, you know as well as I do that the tsunami of wokeism, of political correctness, of Black Lives Matter, of critical theory, critical race theory, it's overwhelming. It's sweeping our educational establishment. The LGBTQIA alphabet soup of subjective identity claims is rife within our educational system, not just in Washington, D.C. or San Francisco, but right here in Oklahoma. It is. I can show it to you. I've got the pictures that people have sent me from the books that are in the libraries and the assignments that they've been given. I shared with you just last week of this story in Mancelona, Michigan. Northern Michigan. Not, it's not urban in any way whatsoever where the assignment was just garbage about critical theory and disparaging people because of the way they looked and asking them to apologize for the way they were born. That is in your schools, and it will destroy your kids. But last Tuesday, we had hundreds of thousands of parents in Virginia, a purple state at best, blue in the last presidential election. In Virginia, you still have a remnant left that says no Withhold your hand. Take your your sword away. I'll take it out of your hand if I have to. You will not kill my son or my daughter's soul. Thank God that there's still a remnant of real parents left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.